Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast. I'm Conrad Olson, founder and editor-in-chief of Scandinavian Mind. This podcast is a bi-weekly show about the intersection of lifestyle and technology. Every Wednesday, we publish an in-depth interview with an innovator from the worlds of design, fashion, beauty, mobility, or tech. And every Friday, we publish a panel talk or other behind-the-scenes content from the world of Scandinavian Mind. Today we are revisiting a conversation originally recorded for the Italian trade show Pitti Uomo and their digital platform Pitti Connect. The talk is called A Scandinavian Value System and features four great thinkers from the Nordic menswear scene. We have Silas Adler from Soland, Rasmus Storm from Storm Copenhagen and T. Michael and Alexander Helle from Norwegian Rain. In this talk, we cover how their approach to sustainability has transformed over the last few years, what changes in attitudes they see in their consumers after 2020, and the importance of having a strong work-life balance. I had a great time talking to these guys and look forward to more conversations like this in the coming weeks. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to stay updated on the latest news and learn about upcoming talks visit scandinavianmind.com slash newsletter. Here now, my conversation with Silas Adler, Rasmus Storm, T. Michael and Alexander Helle. Enjoy. Welcome to this uh, conversation in collaboration with the Pitti Uomo and Scandinavian Mind. I'm Conrad Olson, founder and editor-in-chief of Scandinavian Mind. And we're here to talk about running a values-driven brands uh, from a Nordic perspective. And I'm here with uh, Silas Adler from Soland, Rasmus Storm from Storm Copenhagen, and uh, T. Michael and Alexander Helle from Norwegian Rain. So... Uh, we got the whole uh, Scandinavia covered here today. Um, I wanted to talk, obviously this year has been transformative in so many ways, and I wanted to get uh, your guys' individual uh, you know, reports and opinions about how this has been for you. Uh, uh, see, let's, I wanted to start with you. Uh, there's been so much going on this past year. How has this affected uh, your brand and, and the way you run it? I mean, uh, in many ways, it's, it's, it's really accelerated the, the view that we had on, on our brand and how we, how we actually wanted to run it. And um, we always had a part of our inner culture that the was related to uh, to activism and sort of speaking up for uh, for things that necessarily not is already directly connected to to fashion, but uh, integrating with the with society as a whole. And um, and I think that what what this past year has shown is that it's really I see it hard having a brand in the future without having like clear values and uh, without uh, having that as part of every every aspect of the brand um, and I think that's quite the uh, I mean that's the opportunity to turn something um, something negative into a to a positive um, so in many ways we are we are doing the same thing as we've always been doing but we're just doing more of it and we are talking more of it and uh, really seeing the value of like having the conversations um, so so that's uh, yeah that's us because we, we see now in, in survey after survey, the new generations are much more demanding when it comes to the brands that they are choosing. We see that they want brands to take a stand. They need brands to be uh, responsible in, in many ways, uh, both when it comes to sustainability and social justice. I'm curious, have you seen this in your own audience? Uh, do you see a shift or, or, or is this something that you've always had with the soul and the consumer? I mean, I, 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 I would say that, um, that, I mean, being in the, in the industry for, for, for quite some, some time now, um, and also with the, I mean, some of the other people that are in this, uh, 
in this uh, in this chat is also uh, Scandinavian heavyweights in in the game for a long time, and I think we all really seen like how the how the scene developed. Um, and I would say that that if you look like ten years back, there was like the the, the growth of the of the hype phenomenon, and um, in the beginning it seemed like that could run more or less anything. And if you were able to create a hype around something, it would like it would float in some ways if you had the right people behind it. And I mean now we definitely see that the, that there's a shift in that because people are much more aware of uh, of the stuff that's between the like between the lines in the writing. And so I definitely feel like I've seen the shift in in in. in and how the consumer wants to react, and how the how young people are thinking themselves as like uh, a, a sense of opinions, you know, and that reflects in, in a lot of the things that that uh, that they do. Um, I also see a shift between generations and having a brand that actually spans over uh, over age, and I think that's also similar to uh, to uh, to the other guys in the, in the chat that there's. Sometimes there's like a weird mix with with like people that are stuck in the in like the old way of of uh, of analyzing and seeing things, and then like the new the new way. So it's uh, I think that as a brand or as a store or whatever you are, it's very it's very important to be very true to your own values and follow that, and that that's the way to go forward. Mm. Let, let's jump from Copenhagen over to 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 Norway. Uh, uh, Michael and Alexander, uh, uh, you know, jumping off of what Silas just said, how has this past year uh, been for you guys? Do you see any shifts in terms of uh, your consumer or, or are you just building upon what you've been uh, creating uh, with your brand in the past? Well, um, the, the thing is, when we when we started um, um, out uh, with Norwegian Rain, we had um, a few sets of ideas, um, and we decided to focus on, on just that. Uh, we wanted to make uh, the best waterproof raincoats in the world. We wanted to have um, a sustainable way of production, uh, eco-friendly approach, um, our materials, our fabrics. We shunned away from whatever was cool at that time. We, we felt we couldn't compete on that level. We could only compete on the strength of our products, strength of our ideologies, and the strength of what made us the people we are. So in a way, it's been business as usual all these years, just building step by step and solidifying our concepts and ideas. And with you know a few bold um, moves in between but before we make a bold move we always make sure it was solidified before we did that move in a way uh, so when this situation kicked in um, it was like okay um, the good thing about what we've done is that we're not really dependent on being everywhere and being the coolest to be able to sell our products people that knew about us could also find us still um, but what that change for us though was something we've been thinking about was whether we thought wholesaling was something that we wanted to continue with now the moment this kicked in we realized that it was actually best to have a control about everything else that we do and try and reduce um, whoever we wholesale to because the best um, best what you call it, encounter you have with your customers is through your own um, platforms you know whether you meet them yourself, you sell it online through your store, or through your stores or online through your web store. So it sort of accelerated that process for us. Uh, we just went right in and thought, okay, uh, we just need to have better platforms and different ways of, uh, of showing our, our, our collection. Um, that led us to um, finding a new way, uh, which we call the compact stores. Uh, and we opened the first one in Copenhagen in in October, I think we did. Um, unfortunately, it's been closed since um, December, so <laughs> there's there's like there's not not much we can say about that. But but we we actually did that. Um, 
also when it comes to social injustice and, and so on and so forth, it's been a very, very um, um, important part of what I've been doing ever. Um, I like to be visible in what I do, and I like to be visible by not trying to play to anyone's tune. I think being myself um, as a male, um, as a black man, as a Scandinavian, as a Ghanaian, um, I don't reduce myself on any point at all. I like to further uh, my strength and my approach based on all these uh, platforms. Um, so for me, it was very exciting to see that the temperature is changing and people are demanding respect um, right now. And that, that makes it much, much easier to have this conversation. Um, before we had, you know, I had this conversation by the way I carry myself, but now you can actually have physical conversations. People, you can tell people, uh, listen, um, you cannot pigeonhole anyone. Mm. You know, people have to have the same starting point. And the moment you don't have the same starting point, it means you are being discriminated against, period. Mm. Um, it's not rocket science. Um, whether you break it down in, into races or you break it down into, into gender or age, it's the same thing. If you exclude certain people, it causes a problem for the whole society and eventually it's going to explode. And when it explodes, it explodes, in, in, it explodes really bad. And also, the relationship I have with Alex and the way we present ourselves and our brand is also very specific because we make sure that ourselves are always presented in every marketing or every uh, um, visuals that you find about Norwegian Rain. It's, um, we have different backgrounds, but we have the same platform and the same ideas and the same everything that we do. So all in all, um, this sort of um, um, 2020, um, all these challenges has been uh, not just it's been a wake-up call for many people, but for us, it's been a wake-up call to understand that what we've been doing is the right thing to do and just basically keep uh, furthering that idea. Right. Let's get back to you guys. I, I wanted to bring in Rasmus uh, as well. And Rasmus, we've had a lot of conversations, you and I, about the sort of balance between um, the lifestyle that, that one has as a whole and the sort of uh, uh, product and fashion and, 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 and stuff we, we want to buy and we want to get into our life because we like it and enjoy it and it, it enhances our lives. But what I find so fascinating about how you've built uh, you know, your life, but ultimately your brand is, is you've found this sort of balance between um, great stuff in a way and a great way of, of living. I, I think you know since since the beginning, like since we started out in '94, uh, like 26 years ago, I think it was always you know about what what do we like ourselves, uh, what do we believe in, uh, and it was the same like constantly over the years. It was I would say it was the same process all the way. Uh, what I have been realizing is that. We, over the years, we were we were growing. We had some hard years building our business. Uh, I think it took us at least ten years to make the business profitable. Uh, I was working, you know, on the side. My wife was working on the side at the beginning, and um, and and then we reached a level where you know it picked up. It started growing, and um, then we reached a level where we had fifteen, sixteen employees. Uh, our costs were just going up. Uh, we had to, you know, work harder, work more. The pressure got bigger, and also, um, I would say the pressure. It's not only the pressure financially, but it's also the expectations were growing. You know, from outside, uh, how people look at you. Uh, but I always felt like some kind of confident about this because, you know, if they don't like me, they don't. They don't like me. That, that's how it is but I do what I want to do and I do what I like and I work with the people I respect and people I like but what I also found was that you know your business is growing and you end up 
in in a business where you actually start compromising yourself because the machine needs you know it needs to work and spin and you need to pay your bills and then you start compromising you start uh, thinking more commercially uh, so mm. so actually the, the the point I came to was that we are gonna accept that our business will shrink but I just want to stay happy about what I do I want to work with the people you know I respect people I like um, and it has a price but you know I Previously, we were also talking about, you know, um, sustainability and, you know, how we run business, how we produce and everything. And I think if, if I should touch that point at the same time, I think being a, a multi-brand retail store, it's quite complicated to, to uh, reach or to please the expectations from consumers by only doing sustainable business. But... I came to the point that I can do my best at working with people who work in work in a good way, produce in a good way, and also uh, I think one of the very important points when we have this conversation it's quality. Because if you sell quality, you will have happy customers who would wear the same piece of clothing. And I I have customers here for 25 years, and they still wear stuff that they bought in our old store in Ilmegel. So to me, this is sustainable as well. Uh, if we should talk uh, talk about this, so and it, it connects to you know decreasing the turnover. So all these things work together. I accept a smaller business, but a more healthy business, and there's enough money for the family to make a daily living, and we can do what we want, you know, mm. besides the business, because it's not only about business. Life is also much more. Let's let's talk about. We can come back to the issue of sustainability. I want I want to get Silas. I want to get you into this. But like I say, I think everyone in this room can relate uh, to this uh, sort of balance between uh, being authentic, being true to your values, and also staying uh, commercially viable. Uh, and I'm I'm curious because I know Silas, you've you've made uh, some real measures when it comes to sustainability in the last few years with the brand. Has there been commercial trade-offs, and has those decisions been been difficult for you guys? Can you hear? My son is watching a cartoon in the background. Can you hear that, or is it okay? No, we can't hear it. Mm-hmm. We can okay, hear it. I'd rather listen to that though. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I think we're going to keep that. That's a wonderful Scandinavian intersection with the stay-at-home dad in the in the. Long exactly. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Exactly. Stay-at-home dad and the Corona hair, you know. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, I think that I mean, with with starting first starting having a dialogue about sustainability and then starting. I mean, me and Jacob, my business partner, five years ago, we decided, okay, we need to start working on some things in order to learn, because if we just talk about it, then we will not learn, and then there will not be any real progress. So we were like, we just have to start somewhere. And, and basically, that process led us to start, I mean, actually having the discussion about growth, that just that the rest was just uh, mentioned and the whole idea of growth in, 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 in fashion and what's the alternative to growth um, I mean is there a opportunity for a company to actually figure out what is the what is the magic level where you can have a have a have joined what you do uh, have people that also have joined working for you making sure that you can provide a service for the stores that makes it better for them as well because if you just have if you always focus on growth you will not be able to do a good job for everyone you know so so that i mean starting with like making organic t-shirts and like really going into all these different fields actually ended up in a in a place where we're trying to figure out a new strategy for for the whole concept of having our business that's not based on growth that's based on figuring out that level where you where you can like where you can where the ends can meet but it's not about pumping 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 um, and that's been one of the most motivating things for me as a, as a partner in the, in the in the company for many many years because it completely like changed all the the creative 
strategies of your brand because all of a sudden you you can actually balance the whole like if you're only worrying about making the the ends meet at the at the end of the month and the end of the financial year you will take some decisions that are not healthy for you or your company you know mm. and 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 if it's if 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 you make a setup where the the creative decisions are the foundation for the financial structure instead of the of the of the other way around i think that that I think that's. I mean, for me, that's the goal. I mean, that's the uh, that's the uh, that's the good life as a as a, as a company owner and as a, and as a creator. Um, and then, of course, there's a ton of other like things that 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 you have to learn when you work with sustainability. Uh, when you have a a collection like Soland, which is like. There's so many different kinds of products. There's so many different kinds of textiles. There's so many. I mean, there's production spread over uh, over um, both Europe and and Asia. So there's like there's also a lot of realizing that some things that you do in the beginning that you think is good, that science think is good, that the industries think is good, turns out to be not as good, or turns out to be good for something, but not good for the other things. And if you can accept this way of working and also showing your vulnerability to your to your to your to uh, the people that you collaborate with and to your consumers along the way, then I don't think that it's possible to succeed um, because it's 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 something that is like it's trial and error as well. And I think the best way as a small company is to actually accept that and share some of the trials and. and, and Share some of the errors and share some of the some of the things that work because there's no point in all of the brands having to like figure out every mistake on their own when you can share some of the knowledge and then I mean then 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 everyone have have something they can build on. So, um, but um, can, but I, mean, can yeah, I just but, bring in? Sorry. Yeah. I was just thinking one thing about you because you were talking about growth and you know everyone is everyone wants to be bigger in the industry and you know and it's about numbers and things um, why don't we ever talk about uh, not so much about the size and increase and, and growth but why why don't we talk about relevance mm. are you relevant as a company to the people who actually consume you mm. it's never been talked about in this on the same level as we talk about growth because you know we, you said something, Silas, about the magical point. You know, where, what's the point? Where, what's the right level for a company? And and I think if you as a company, let's say you're first of all, you need to be profitable in the long term. Otherwise, you're gonna die. But then you need to be relevant. If you're not relevant, then there's no, there's no, there's not gonna be any uh, people coming to your store or buying your brand. Uh, and if you can make it staying relevant in the long term, then you can have a good, healthy, profitable business in the long term. And you can feed your family, you can feed your uh, employees, no, no, I mean, if you have five or ten or whatever. And I think this, this is, to me, way more important. Way more important than growth and money, in a way. I want this, this is super interesting, because you know the themes that i wanted to talk about are sort of the you know so the the customers need for authenticity we're talking about tr transparency and sort of working with sustainability in an honest way but also um sort of a work-life balance and I, I think it's fascinating how these themes interject in our conversation here so i just i wanted to bring in uh, alexander so what, what, what's your reflections uh, from hearing Silas talk and Rasmus, and uh, is is this in any way reflecting on how you you, you approach things with with Norwegian Rain? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, from um, you know from the from day one, it's been uh, me and Michael, and we haven't had uh, investors on board, which has allowed uh, allowed us to to choose the projects we like to and get energy from um, but at the same time now we're 10 years down the road and at a certain point it still spiral off in a, some strange way and you got caught up you do wholesale you do some flagships you do web sales and then in the end uh, you don't have much time to reflect on these things that we reflect on today 
simply because you get all these emails or employees asking you things or you know um, and then we have the family and uh, and like you touched on um, uh, here in Scandinavia we are very much involved all of us with the kids so um, so I think um, the corona kind of was a very well uh, reboot that the whole world needed to it, it kind of forced us to to slow down and not even though we love travel it's so it's good that we don't for a while <laughs> because it gave us some extra time to really rethink what we do and why we do it all these nice reflections from uh, Rasmus and Silas and and uh, and that's also like Michael touched on we sat down quite early here in the face and discussed okay let's do uh, let's let's just talk for a bit and think uh, people have been running a clothing shop for hundreds of years but nothing has really changed it's the same way of doing it the only thing that has changed is maybe that credit cards came but that's it uh, so we started thinking okay how can we desecrate this we how do you pay okay we have a till do we knew that do we need that till do we need to produce all this technology with this till no people have the smartphones today so we don't need to have that Okay, and what about opening hours? Usually you get forced in, yeah, everybody in the street has uh, opened from early to late, and then do we need, can we just decide to not, to, okay, for our customers, we have these opening hours, uh, more adapted to the people and to, to, to this, the kind of the scope for the business that you're talking about, uh, Erasmus. And and that and so on. We just went from every little detail, and from what about stock? Do we need stock? Can we can we eliminate stock? No, we can't completely eliminate it. But uh, but uh, can we use technology and some samples to create not just a, just as good experience for customer, but even better? Because we know that we are all different, and we need some adaptions. And people like to have exactly what they want. So. This kind of uh, way of thinking led us to this new uh, petite uh, e-commerce meets uh, physical uh, retail shop, which is like 10, 15 square meter. That's it. Uh, reduced opening hours, uh, no tills, uh, just a few samples. Uh, we make them in six weeks uh, for you, or if we have it, if it's already made somewhere in the world we can send it to you in within two weeks not uh, two days sorry so that's that's kind of the exciting and i think it's uh, the, the on the positive note of this one year break we had now it's gonna come a lot of good things out of everyone just slowing down a bit and and think about what what what's important to us that's, that's so, so those are real practical changes that you've done. So, so Rasmus and Silas, have you done similar things? Have you, has, has there been real transformations in the way you uh, actually go about the business? Are there any examples? Mm. I, I you, you are mentioning opening hours. Uh, we, I mean, as we are store, opening hours is a good, um, good point here. Uh, we have always been a f like let's talk about let's talk about fear you know there is a certain fear in the industry that you are going to lose out on your on your business on your growth or on your uh, what you deliver or you know wh whatever and it i always had a f not so much but the fear was always there and one of the fears was you know when you talk about competition if we are going to, if we shrink the opening hours, will we then lose business? This is this is one fear, and there's there's other fears. You know, are you are you visible enough on the social medias? Are you are you good enough on your, you know, your on your website? Blah blah blah. But we we've been testing in this period. We've been testing certain things. You know, opening hours, for example, and we only had from twelve to five the whole year and it was just a test after the reopening 
but we kept it the whole year and nobody was complaining. Uh, maybe we lost a bit of business, but we still had a profitable year because we managed our store in a healthy way. We were not overspending, we were not overbuying, we were cleaning up our stock, uh, we had less staff, we were working more ourselves. Uh, so it was kind of back to basics. But my point is that all the fears that you have in your head, and none of them were real at the end. We still made a, a year where, you know, we were profitable, uh, you know, people still like us and all this, you know. So I think this is one of the good things that came out of 2020. It, it gave us a chance to try out certain things that we never uh, dared to, to, to try. If, if I can just comment on that, I think, uh, you know, you, this, this fair, I think it, it needs to be matched with one thing to, to, to work if you're gonna uh, confront that fear. And that is um, the other things you said earlier on, that you need to be good in being relevant for, for your customers. For your, and if you are, then they will adapt to what you choose and they appreciate for you for, for your decisions. And, and as long as you, your relevance is uh, higher than the uh, you know, inconvenience of uh, you know, the shorter opening hours, for example, to, to just take a very simple one. Uh, I think that's uh, that's the key to to finding that balance that we are all looking for. I think you know we we are lucky to say that everyone here has had quite a long experience in in the business in a way. Um, so we've seen things change over time. You've reflected on how your business is. Um, We've always, you know, we all started chasing the rainbow somehow. Um, and then eventually realized that the rainbow is actually in your space already. You just don't need to overreach um, and you need to tame your energy and channel right. And then when you do that, I think your customers realize that. And then you become much more relevant than trying to be like the next biggest thing in a way. Um, like you said as well, Silas, that you know we 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 need to share the experiences because not everyone has to make the same mistakes. You know, um, new brands coming out today will probably have the same kind of um, attitude of trying to be there very quickly. Um, obviously, the the background and and the way they do business is different than when I started, than when you started, Rasmus, and than when you started, Silas, but. But I think everyone feels like you have to get it right very quickly for you to be able to maintain. Um, it's not about getting it right. It's about trying to understand what you do and delivering it to the people that you want to be your customers. And if they get that, then your relevancy is intact. Um, no one is going to take your business from you um, because you have a whole different approach of dealing with that customer that, that a store has. I think it's a very important part of of what we do and that's why we are unique in, in what we do somehow Silas any any response I would say like uh, the whole idea of, uh, of uh, the age of things and the age of product I mean one thing that we really saw this year was that I mean um, especially here in, in, in Scandinavia due to the fact that people were changing their travel uh, travel routines and Staying much more local, all of a sudden, stores that were um, not in Copenhagen or in the bigger cities, all, all, also, all of a sudden had like a, a booming sales, and because people would travel much more around in Denmark, and um, and some of these stores were understocked because they were not prioritized by the big companies in the, after the the COVID shortage. So a lot of these stores were like, but we don't have any products to sell and we it doesn't need to be always be the new, new, new. So we spent quite a lot of time going back in our stock and say, okay, there's a lot of these products that are as relevant now as they were like two years ago. Um, and maybe this is a good way for everyone to, to actually uh, to, to, to turn so turn over some of the stuff that's been, been laying there for a long time and this whole idea of like, that the, the products get old so fast, you know, it's, it's, it's also something that you can start to, uh, start, start to discuss. Totally. Um, mm, and, and, uh, and I mean, this, 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 the whole idea of like fear 
is as a facilitator for taking decisions. I mean, that's not only investment, that's like a pretty Western world in a nutshell, you know. Um, and it's so healthy to like to to challenge yourself. I mean, one of the one of the very first thing we did was like decide to to close our store in Copenhagen, and it it was such a relief because it's it's. I mean, running a brand is our is something that we're good at. <laughs> it's something that we're really good at. But running a store is not necessarily something we're really good at, you know. So, so this idea of saying like, let's take away something that's not our, what we that we're not as good at, and then let's focus on some of the things that we're strong at. And the interesting thing was that that's the thing I've done. I can't remember anything I've done in Solheim with so many people came and were like, oh, we're so sorry to hear with the store. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's crazy how, like, for me, it was like such a relief and out. And for everyone else, it was like, wow, you're closing the store, you know. So, Good yeah, so, so what, you're, what you're saying is that people looked at it as, it, in a way, it was a step back. Be, because they, when they say, when they said like uh, they felt sorry, you know, then it was because you had to. Is that that's what you mean, right? Exactly, exactly. I don't, so I'm just yeah. And this is this is this is exactly what I wanted to explain before about the fear, yeah. you know, the fear for certain things. Uh, during during uh, during 2020, um, it was more as Cita said, it was more it was more difficult to to get enough. Uh, of the right stuff for the store and you could not travel but but in a way it was a kind to me it was a kind of you know it released something you know it was kind of uh, I don't know how to ex <laughs> describe it but it was like you know it just happened and it happened for everyone mm -hmm. and nothing really happened we are still here Talk to, to me, me about because you know when, when you follow you on Instagram, it's obvious that you, you, you the, the, the your workout routines is very important to you. You're, you're really about sort of uh, um, moving away from your retail store, doing other things, finding other experiences in your life. Talk a little bit about how that why how, why has that been so important for for your life the, the workouts. I think first of all, uh, it's back to what I said at the beginning. I want to be happy about what I do. I want to be happy about the life I live. And um, in a way, what I do now is actually somehow back to what I came from. I grew up in a small provincial city. I was one of the first guys going to the gym back in like when gyms came from, from the States back in 81 or something. Um, and always, you know, I was driving a motorbike and I was, you know, like, I always liked that kind of man stuff and it made me happy. Um, what we used to be saying in Danish, we say, um, I don't know the word in English, but whatever. I know, I'm sure you know what I mean. Yeah. We're going to text it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so basically by saying this, what I what I realize is that you know, you you go into fashion, then the you know things are, you know, slowly growing, and then you you get into the circles of whatever, and then there's certain expectations. Then you have your fear about you know this and that, and then you slowly. I'm not saying that I lost myself, but you you're slowly losing a bit of yourself, just to to please the market, your customers. You think. This is what they need, uh, you know, your suppliers or whatever. Uh, and then I, some, some years ago, I just came to the point where I said, I, I want to do exactly what I want to do. And I want to hang with the guys I love and I want to do, do my workouts. And this is what I want to, I want to show people actually what I love and who I am. And, um, and it, of course, in a way, it, it has a, a certain risk connected to it because people when you work in fashion and you work uh, in, in, in retail and you work on the level that we are working on and you have fans all over the world who would uh, go to Copenhagen to see Storm, then 
by showing them who you also are, you, you risk a bit. But um, yeah, I mean, it's super basic. It just makes me happy. And if I'm happy, I can do my business better. Mm. And uh, back to what Michael said before, you said something about, yeah, you cannot always, you said something like, you cannot always make everyone happy. And I wanted, this is what I wanted to say when I was interrupting Silas. Mm. Uh, I wanted to say, you, you will always lose some. Mm. You, you can't please all your customers over the years constantly. You might lose some. And this is my point about the business. If you stay loyal to who you are and you do exactly what you like, and you, you know, it's going up and down. I think, yeah, it's exactly what it is. I mean, you become, you actually become more relevant by, by sticking to your guns and, and telling everyone else that is not on your lane to just, you know, just stay away from it. Just, you know, keep to yours, I keep to mine. It, it, it makes you more special, makes you more unique. Uh, people understand that you're more linked to what you do than you just following a blueprint that's been given from somewhere else, you know, so. Um, I mean, but that's also yeah. exactly what, I mean, it, it was the point that I wanted to, to, get, to get into before that. It's like the whole idea of being everything to everyone. It's, mm. it's, uh, it's also like, uh, it also feels outdated. And, and as, um, as a brand like ours, it would also, it, I mean, that insane thing, but there's some, places in the world where there is relevance but there will also be some places where there's not relevant and before it would always be like there was these like markets that that would like token markets that if you could like be on that market and be in these stores and so on and then they say like turn around and say like why don't we focus on where we have a foundation that we can build on instead of like chasing a unicorn you know mm. um and 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 do good good work with the fewer people i think that mm. i mean it's much more rewarding uh, th thank you so much for 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 that uh, we're coming up on on uh, on the end of the talk here i just wanted to do a little quick round with everyone uh, obviously the the target uh, or, or the audience for this is a global audience uh, you are all uh, in in different ways players on a global stage and you have a global audience so I'm curious to hear uh, from you individually um, like in a way what it means to be Scandinavian in this global audience I'm curious uh, you know you, you you definitely have reflected upon this in the past maybe something uh, from from recent years what kind of reactions do you get from from your global audience or your global uh, uh, partners that you, you're working with uh, uh, in terms of how they view uh, your position in, in Scandinavia. I don't know, anyone wants to, to start? I can start since I'm not the obvious Scandinavian, but I shoot in. Um, I am, an, uh, you know, I've, 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 I'm Scandinavian by choice. Um, I'm Ghanaian by birth. And I think for me, it's always been very relevant to find the balance of the places I visit and places I go to. Um, spend a lot of time in the UK, um, go to Japan a lot. Um, and and I, I believe that the best people you can meet are the people that can choose the best from all these places. Um, it's not about hanging on to something that is an ideal, but really it doesn't really exist. Um, so for me, what is good about Scandinavia is, is the fact that for some, some, some reason, we are not quite in that speeded up kind of life in a way. You know, somehow we've maintained or, or strive to maintain that slightly slowness in our society uh, where you can actually be part of a group of people. And, and one tries to be very collectively um, minded when one does things in a way. Obviously, these changes over the years and it goes on. But, but when COVID kicked in, it makes you realize how also how um, lucky you are to be in Scandinavia. Uh, we have the space. Um, we have the community around as well. Um, it's not easy, but it's easier um, to be in this society where one actually takes care of each other in a way. Um, there's a lot of flaws, but that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what is good about it. And um, 
it makes me proud to be able to live in Scandinavia, um, but with different inputs in my, in, my, in my culture and my outlook. And for me, it gives me the best of, um, of everything. Wonderful. Silas or Rasmus? I'm, I'm also, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not Scandinavian by choice. I'm Scandinavian by someone else's choice, but uh, I'm also, uh, I also uh, have uh, roots in, in, in Africa and other parts of the world. Um, and that's, I also see that as, as, as my strength. And I mean, I think that that's some of, that's a, a, again, that's a privilege that a lot of people in Scandinavia have is the opportunity of looking outside of Scandinavia, both in, from a mental point of view, but also in the physical, from actually travel outside of, 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 uh, of, of, of Scandinavia. I mean, our wealth in Scandinavia is giving us a lot of freedom that other parts of the world don't have. Um, another thing that I think is, 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 I mean, you also touched a little bit on it, is like, is the, um, the balance between uh, between uh, the, the balance between city and nature. Um, as you said, we have space here, and the fact that we have space also allows, and again, like nature in a lot of places, to be nature mm. and to maintain nature. And uh, and if you look at at, I mean, I mean, especially you guys up north, I mean, the the almost poetic, beautiful, special nature of Scandinavia is something that I think even even though we lived in in in, in our in our small big cities for a long time and have a lot of our life here, I think it's our link to nature is is very strong and very special. Um, and I mean, I don't see that the same way when I'm with my friends in Paris or my friends in London or even my friends in New York. Um, so I think that that's, I mean, it's something very unique about this place. Um, and I mean, as you mentioned before, there's a lot of flaws and there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that we as the Navy also need to learn and to adapt to. But, uh, but I mean, we come from, we come from a region that have a couple of systems for society that is for the most part, working. True. Um, yeah. But it's also, but then at the same time, there's also this like, I mean, you travel some parts of the world and then they're like, oh yeah, yeah, Scandinavia. Where, where, where in Holland is it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so there's like, uh, there's this like, uh, but then there's also the, the, the whole like uh, David and Goliath uh, mentality, you know, I mean, if you look at like all like our small com uh, countries and then like some of the stuff that comes out of this region is also pretty spectacular when you, I mean, with, within like culture and art and sport and gastronomy and uh, industry and, and science and, you know, it's okay also to sometimes be like a little bit proud, like how can this small region like still maintain to be at some part like relevant in, in the global society so mm -hmm. correct yeah. rasmus any any uh, thoughts from your end any parting words mm, yeah i was just thinking you know i for, first of all i i don't think of myself as i know i'm scandinavian i was born here i was born in denmark uh, but i don't look at myself as i'm scandinavian i i'm a human being I got friends all over the world. They, as Sheila said, uh, you know, uh, I have friends living in New York or Paris or other places, London. And uh, as Michael said, we are just lucky that we live here. If I look at my friends living these places, they don't have the opportunities that we have. I mean, during this lockdown, we still, we can still easy go into the nature. We can just bike down to the harbor, jump in the water. We can do an ice swim. We can walk the forest. We can uh, still, you know, do things very easy. And we have um, a very good system here, like a healthcare system that still works. Thanks God. 
but they they, they, they they try slowly to change it. But I think the, the, the strength in Scandinavia in our society here is that also the idea about human being being more or less equal. It it it, it gives a, like a well balanced system. I know there's people not making the same amount of money as other people, and and I really respect that, and and um, and know that it's not easy for everyone still, and this we should remember. Uh, I also heard something about uh, we are quite rich here. I mean, we we are we are richer than ever in Scandinavia. So in many ways, we are also quite lucky. Um, so it's kind of, I, I see two values here actually growing, the, which is kind of weird because we are getting richer and richer and there's certain part of uh, Scandinavia, the Scandinavian society that wants more and more status, who wants to make, to make more money, buy more land. And then there's the other part who just want to live a healthy life, having good friends, you know, being, being a good human being to other people, being social. Uh, orientated, you know, all this. So it's, it's, it, it, to me, it's, 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 it's just balancing right now, but it's, it's on the edge. We need, we need to like start rethinking mm. certain values, I think. Um, yeah, this, this is, I mean, does it, does it answer your question? I, uh, I don't say to people I'm Scandinavian, but I still feel very connected to as Cedars were talking a lot about mm. our nature and everything. So I, I, f I feel, you know, very connected to Scandinavia and especially Denmark and the, the way we look at other people. Not everyone, but most people. Yeah, well, I think your, your testimonies here, all three of you, uh, gives, it's kind of like a, uh, a slice of Scandinavia in a way. And that's really what I wanted to bring out from, from this conversation. Uh, uh, thank you so much for for sharing your insights. Uh, is there any any parting words, any thought that you've had that you want to bring to the audience uh, before we go? Yeah, let's meet up in Paris next week and have a drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an excellent excellent way. Or or perhaps Florence. Yeah, perhaps oh, let's Florence. do that. <laughs> uh, Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to us and talk to each other, which I really enjoyed. Uh, I can't wait to see you guys uh, physically again. And uh, thanks for sharing your insights. It's a pleasure to thank meet you, all of you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Scandinavian Mind podcast with me, Conrad Olson. This show was edited by Eric Sedin. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your preferred podcast app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. To get the latest news, insights and invites to upcoming events, sign up to our newsletter. Just go to ScandinavianMind.com to become part of our movement.